word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you through the songs. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you through giving. Lord, we ask now that you would be with us as we seek to worship you through the reading, through the teaching, through the proclamation of your holy word. God, we ask that you would come and meet with us. That, Lord, you would move through your scriptures. God, it's not about a preacher. It's not about a speaker. Lord, it's about you. It's about your word and not mine. So I pray, Father, that you might increase as I decrease. God, that your word would be effective and powerful to change our hearts, to renew our minds, to conform us to your will. God, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. To you, God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, take with me and let's turn once again to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms should be right there in the dead middle of your Bible. If you didn't happen to bring your own copy of God's Word, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. Uh, You can also take that home if you don't have your own copy of Scripture. We would love for you to take that as our gift to you. We will uh, replace it. That's no problem at all. If you would prefer to follow along on your phone or on your tablet or on the screens, however you're accessing the Word of the Lord is perfectly fine. But however you may be accessing it, I would ask, would you please stand, if you're physically able, out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word As we look together once again at Psalm 23. This is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we come back to this passage this morning, I want to remind you that I I know this is very familiar. You have probably heard this passage if you have grown up in church in any way, shape, or form, or spent much time in church at all. You probably have heard this a few times, maybe had to memorize it at some point in your life. But I want us to look again this week with fresh eyes at this very meaningful and impactful, this intentional psalm that David The shepherd wrote about the good shepherd. He writes it even before Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, which is just another one of those internal proofs of Scripture that I love. David is foreshadowing the good shepherd who would come. And then when Jesus comes, he reminds everybody and tells his disciples, no, 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 you you are understanding correctly. I am the good shepherd. And so we looked last week at just the first verse, the first two phrases. The Lord is my 
shepherd. Not just the good shepherd. Yes, he is the good shepherd, but he is my shepherd. I am a part of his flock. And it is important for us to remember not only that when we trust in Jesus, that we are saved from our sin, that we are justified. It is just as if we had never sinned before the Lord. But that's not the only benefit of salvation. He buys us back. He is the one who creates us, who makes us, knits us together in our mother's womb. And then we rebel. And yet he buys us back. We belong to him. Those who trust in the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we belong to the shepherd. We are a part of his flock. He paid a steep price to buy us. He owns us. And it is a very good thing to belong to him. Then that next phrase, I shall not want. What an interesting phrase, right? For somebody like David to write, somebody who spent time hiding from King Saul in caves, running for his life, so destitute that he had to go to the temple and request to eat the bread of the presence because there was nothing else for him to eat. And yet this man who experienced great want, great lacking, writes, I shall not want. Remember, we talked about contentment last week, what it means to be content. And this quote from Philip Keller's, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Philip writes, I shall not lack the expert care and management of my master. Whether I have an abundance or whether I have nothing, I shall not lack the expert care and management of my master because I am a part of his flock. This book has has been an incredible read for me to go back through. Philip Keller wrote this book back in the 1970s and he became a shepherd over in the United Kingdom. He started off with 30 sheep. We talked about how he had scrounged and saved to buy those 30. Well, he was a shepherd for years, for decades of his life. And so his, his flock continued to grow and he continued to learn things about sheep. And when we learn about being a shepherd, it brings new life to the 23rd Psalm. And I don't know about for you guys, but that's been my experience. And so I just want to move to the next few phrases. But look with me. at He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, when you first read this, you may be like me, and you may be thinking, he makes me lie down. Now, I'm not saying that this verse is supposed to be an image of a shepherd, like doing an elbow drop on a sheep, like, lay down, you're not going anywhere, as the sheep's like, ah, ah, no, I will hold you here, you will lay down. That's, that's not, that's not the image that I think David's going for, okay? And what, what we learn about shepherds, is that there are four requirements that must be met before a sheep is willing to lie down. It's not so much about forcing a sheep down. I I don't know about you guys, but there have been times in my life where my children needed to take a nap. And I'm not saying I did anything that was wrong or bad, but if you sit by their bed and they're not going to lay down and you just put your hand on their back firmly and every time they get up, they're like, oh, can't go nowhere. I guess I'll lay down. Oh, I can't go nowhere. I guess I'll lay down. That's still not what we're talking about. We're not talking about elbow drops and wrestling and forcing and holding. We're not talking about applying just simple pressure so that when you try to get up, you know, whoop, I can't go anywhere. 
We're talking about the good shepherd making all the requirements necessary for us to lie down in peace and rest happen. And so there's four requirements. First, they must be free from all fear. If a sheep is going to lie down, they have to be free from all fear. If there is anything that may make them skittish or run, they are not going to give up their legs out from under them. And I know you might be thinking, well, okay, that seems kind of obvious, but we're talking about some really skittish animals. Philip Keller tells a story in his book about how there was a time that a friend came to visit him. And at this time, he had 200 sheep in his flock. This friend gets out of their car and they have a little Pekingese dog, six pounds a Pekingese. It's this big and it gets out of the car and it sees the sheep and it forgets that it's this big and goes, because, you know, Pekingese, they're not, it's, it's the, it's the high pitch. Even that little dog sent all 200 of his sheep in a stampede. From that point on, he had to tell any guest that was going to come and visit him at his house by his pasture, no dogs allowed. Doesn't matter if it's a chihuahua, doesn't matter if it's a teacup poodle, whatever it may be. If there is any inkling of fear, the sheep will not lie down. You know, is this not us? I just love that every sheep metaphor is about us. Over and over again in Scripture, the sheep are you and me. We're that skittish. And it's proof in all of our lives. Even church folk like you and I that are here on a Sunday morning, man, we we talk a big game, don't we? I, I can talk a big game. But when push comes to shove, faith and trust and not being afraid and not being anxious is really hard, isn't it? And if we don't believe that we're not an anxious, easily scared people, I just want you in your mind to travel back in time to that day that you went to Walmart to buy toilet paper in March or April of 2020, and you got into a round of fisticuffs with somebody because there was no toilet paper to be had. Do you, do you remember this? We fought over toilet paper. A pandemic was on the verge. It was coming. Everybody's on lockdown. I don't know why toilet paper was the item, but we all said, ah, what are we going to do? I got to go get my toilet paper. I don't know. I, I'm just scared. I don't know. And maybe I'm going to have to go to the bathroom more. So I better get more toilet paper because what happens if we run out of toilet paper? Let the meteorologist in Alabama say, there's a possibility that we might have snow in the next few days. And everybody goes out to get their milk and their bread so they can make milky bread sandwiches. I don't know what the deal is, but are we not the most fickle, skittish people? Ah, there's going to be snow. What if my bread goes bad? What am I going to do? What if the milk spoils? I guess you go without milk for a few days. I mean, y'all, we fall apart We're so trusting of the good shepherd and everything's going to be fine until it's not. Until the diagnosis from the doctor is not what we wanted to hear. And now we want a second opinion and another surgeon in a different place. And let me go to UAB. And if they don't know what to do in UAB, let me go to Philadelphia. And if they don't know what to do in Philadelphia, maybe there's a, there's a hospital across the ocean. There's something I can do. I've got to be able to do something. There's nowhere else to turn. I've got to take care of it. And my life is in jeopardy. All the while, we fail to trust the good shepherd. 
And you know, he tells incredible stories about how just him standing in the midst of his sheep took away their skittishness. The presence of the shepherd in real life, in an actual scenario where there are real sheep and the shepherd stands among them, rifle over his shoulder. That Pekingese doesn't necessarily scare him so much anymore. The dogs and the wolves and the coyotes, those are no longer huge fears because the shepherd is present. I'm a skittish person, okay? I'm speaking from experience. When I was a little boy, my sister unknowingly let me watch a movie that, whoo, boy, it was not the kind of movie that a six-year-old needed to be watching, all right? We're talking about a horror film. And, and I was really good with imaginary horror films. You know what I mean? Zombies, monsters, all the stuff that's not real. I can just write that off in my brain. Oh, those things don't exist. There's no zombies coming after me because zombies aren't real. But this particular movie was one of those movies, not based on a true story, but one of those like psycho killer kind of movies. You know what I'm saying? And my six year old brain connected the dots that somebody could do this. And then I saw on the news, there are people that do this. But let me tell you what, I didn't sleep for months. There was somebody coming to get me. I didn't know who they were, but they were coming. And if I saw the mask from that movie, I was done. And for a long time after seeing that silly movie, my mother had to sit in my room every night before I went to bed because I was this scared and spoiled all at the same time. But my mom would sit there and she'd hold my hand and she'd say, Nathan, I want you to say First Timothy or Second Timothy 1, 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7. And so for a year of my life, I remember, and any time that I am scared or nervous, I remember that verse. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And at night, I would, I would rock myself to sleep, so to speak, repeating that verse over and over again. This fear is not from the Lord. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. This fear is from my adversary. This fear is unfounded. This fear is not of God because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And when I could take my mind off of my fear and focus on the shepherd and his presence with me, I fell asleep and slept soundly all night. Folks, we're just sheep. And the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures because he takes away all of our fears when we trust in him. He takes away all of our anxieties when we depend upon him, when we remember his presence with us. So that's the first requirement. They must be free from all fear. Secondly, they must be free from friction within the flock. Free from friction within the flock. I know it's a lot of really great alliteration, isn't it? Isn't that fantastic? Free from friction within the flock. It's, it's hard to say really fast. But what happens is in the world of sheep, there is what's called a budding order. All right. All right. Every male in here has a little middle school boy living deep down in their soul. And I know that I just said there's a budding order, but I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to keep the middle school boy in my soul at bay if you will keep the middle school boy in your soul at bay, all right? Because this is a normal, correct, accurate term, all right? We're not going to make childish jokes about it. There is a pecking order 
If you have a group of chickens together, there's a horning order. If you have a group of cattle together, and then if you have a group of sheep together, sheep together there's a budding order because they move each other off of the best, choicest grazing spots, the softest places to bed down by butting one another with their head. And you get these old ornery sheep that are like, I've been here forever, and you're not about to take the best grass from me. And they run over, and just when they think I'm going to lay down, I'm going to graze, and everything's going to be right, boom, they get hit in the side by this old ornery sheep that says, hey, hey, know your place, you little you. Know where you belong. When that friction exists within the flock, none of the sheep are willing to lie down. Because they think as soon as I lie down, I'm going to be lying down in the wrong spot. There's some older sheep that's going to come along and butt me across the side. And I don't want none of that. So I'll just stand up and be ready. Just be looking. Just be watching. What's coming? Folks, this is us, right? Once again, we get together as a flock. And instead of having fellowship and love and harmony within one another, we're always looking for that person. We're always listening for that offense. We're always overly sensitive. There's somebody that's trying to put me in my place. I hadn't been at this church long enough, so I can't say that because these other people who've been here their whole life are going to come along and they're going to butt me right in the side and I'm going to be put back in my place. It was another phenomenon that when the shepherds stood among the sheep, they knew that he wouldn't stand for it. If one of the old sheep but one of the younger ones for no reason, or just out of spite or envy, or just because they weren't feeling right that day, shepherd would take that crook and jerk that old sheep across and put them in their place. And it happened so often that when the shepherd stood in the midst of the flock, the flock became calm, and all the friction went away. Folks, if we want to eliminate fear from our lives, if we want to eliminate friction from within our church, we must seek out the presence of the shepherd. This is true even as Jesus walked among us. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35. And they came to Capernaum. Jesus and his his 12 disciples, they came to Capernaum. And while he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? So keep in mind, Jesus is walking out front and then the disciples are walking fairly behind him. And as they're walking, the disciples are bickering and arguing among one another. And Jesus just kind of ignores it and keeps walking in front of them. And then Jesus, when they get to Capernaum, looks at them. And I just love what Jesus does sometimes, <laughs> like as if he didn't know what they were saying. He's only a few paces in front of them. And if he forgot, he's Jesus. So, of course, he knew what they were talking about. And he goes, Hey guys, uh, what were we all talking about while we were walking on the way over here? And so, sheepishly, they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. They were like a bunch of sheep. And the old sheep trying to knock the younger sheep out of the way because they wanted their status. They wanted their grazing grounds. They wanted their bedding areas. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. The presence of the shepherd, the good shepherd, even put all the friction away from the disciples as he walked on earth among us. So, must be free from fear. It must be free 
from friction within the flock. Thirdly, if a sheep is going to lie down, the third requirement, they must be free from flies and pests and parasites. Flies and pests and parasites. There are seasons when the sheep will be covered. They have no tail. They have that they can swat or they're, they're stuck. And sometimes they get so many bugs and pests and parasites and things on their face and in their stomach that they will not rest. They run around and jump and flail and trying to get all the flies off of them, okay? If you've ever seen a sheep doing some crazy stuff, they probably have pests bothering them. And so the good shepherd comes and he he covers their head, their face with oil. We'll, We'll come back to that. But even notice how David intentionally writes under the leadership of the Holy Spirit about being covered over with pests. It's insinuated and he makes me lie down in green pastures. But then later in Psalm 23, what does he say? He anoints my head with oil. This oil, there were different types of oil that would actually keep the flies and the parasites and the pests off of the sheep's head. Sometimes they get so thick that the the sheep couldn't even breathe through their nose because there's so many flies clogging up their nasal cavities. But the good shepherd puts what's necessary to cover the sheep so that there are no flies, there are no pests, there are no parasites. Fourthly, they must be free from hunger. They must be free from hunger. An underfed and hungry sheep is always on its feet, searching for something else to eat, looking for somewhere else to forage. They will not lie down to find rest when they are unsure of their next meal. When a sheep is hungry, they will not lie down. So if you want to make sheep lie down in green pastures, you don't, you know, do a a macho man Randy Savage elbow drop on them. You, You don't like sumo wrestle body slam them. You don't just hold them down or put pressure on their back. You make sure they're free from fear. You make sure that there's peace within the flock. You make sure that there are no pests or parasites plaguing them. And you make sure that they're not hungry. But this also leads us into the next phrase. He leads me beside still waters. He connects they must be free from hunger to he leads me beside still waters because of what we see in Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. The Lord makes us lie down in green pastures because if we hunger for righteousness, He will not leave us hungry. If we thirst for His living water, He will not leave us to die of thirst. He will quench our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. Those who hunger for righteousness shall be satisfied. It's really interesting that sheep in the right season, in the right area, in the right climate, can actually go months without going to a watering hole. So they don't have to go to some sort of trough. They don't have to go to a spring or a stream. What happens in the right climate is that the dew in the morning is so heavy on the grass That as they eat and forage in the grass, they're actually getting enough nourishment, enough water to satisfy their body. So sheep can go months without going and putting their head in water and sucking up water. That is, I mean, you could Google that. I promise you that is legit right there. 
And I was blown away by this. The sheep have to rise early in the morning to make sure to go and eat in this right climate, in the right place. They can go almost a whole season. Just the dew is so heavy on the grass in these climates that that's all that they need. Man, how often are you and I refreshed and revitalized if we would just get up early in the morning to find the dew? The dew's there, fresh and clean and pure on the grass. The Lord's provided it for us. Sometimes the sheep will get up before the sun comes up. It is still dark so that they can get the most dew possible. And they will eat and drink of the grass. And, you know, I, I struggle with this. I want to get up early in the morning. I want to start my day intentionally focusing my heart, my mind, my soul on praying to God, on reading His Word. And, and I'm, I'm inconsistent at best, especially in the summertime. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to school starting back because school starting back puts me in structure and I need structure. I have to get up in the morning and there is a plan. There is a, I got, I got to get breakfast ready. We got to make lunches. We got to do everything. We got to get them out the door. You got to get the daycare. You got to get to school. Jessica's got to be there because she's teaching. So there's all this that you got to handle and you got to do. And it forces me into this structure, into this schedule. When school is in session, I'm usually really good about getting up in the morning and drinking the dew. But boy, through the summer, things kind of get crazy. And, and I want you to know, if you don't get up in the morning and read God's Word and pray to Him in sincerity, or even if you do get up in the morning, but you just kind of, you know, all right, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's good stuff. Lord, thank you for today. I oh, appreciate that. If your heart's not in it, it's not like you're going to be miserable all day, every day. You can survive. It's okay. You can go to the watering hole later, at the end of the week, or whenever you need to. But I promise you, when we get up and we spend time with the Lord genuinely, when our heart is in it, there is something distinctly different about our attitude and our approach to the rest of the day. It is harder for things to bother us through the rest of the day. It's harder for the pests and the pestilence and the parasites to bug us the rest of the day. Now, I'm not telling you that if you'll get up every morning at 5 a.m. and you'll read your Bible for 15 minutes and you'll pray for 20 minutes, the Shekinah glory of God will shine around about you and you will be walking on the clouds. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Don't hear me saying that all you got to do is get up in the morning and have a devotion. But I am telling you, if you get up in the morning and you spend serious time with God in prayer and in His Word, there's a nourishment that we experience that will make a distinct difference in our attitude and our approach and how the day affects us. The second thing about He leads us beside still waters is how sheep are impatient on their way to the watering hole. When they have to be led to the watering hole, there's always sheep that are impatient. There's always sheep that don't want to follow and wait till they get to the watering hole. So as they walk, there have been other flocks who've gone by these same paths to the same springs, to the same streams, to the same places to get water. And because of that, there are little puddles, little pools of water in the mud. Really, they're just mud puddles. All right. If anybody's ever had to watch Peppa Pig. Jumping in muddy puddles, you must wear your boots, right? Okay, so they stop at these muddy puddles, and they drink. 
because they don't trust the shepherd to get them to the good, clean, pure water in time. So as they're going, they see some water along the way and they go, hmm, this looks good. I think I'll drink. They drink muddy, filthy, contaminated water. This water is genuinely contaminated, probably with urine and feces from other sheep that have traveled through there. It's been trodden through by all of the rest of their nasty feet and everywhere their nasty feet have been. This is not drinkable water. It gives the sheep parasites. It gives them serious problems down the road. Some of them do not survive from drinking that water. All because they cannot trust the good shepherd to get them to the clean pure drinking water. He's the living water that nourishes our very souls. And how often do we get tired of following Him and we want to stop and drink the contaminated, filthy water of this world? How many times do we think that there's a certain sin, that there's a certain action, there's a certain behavior, there's something in our lives that we can scratch that itch and it'll take care of us, but all the while it's destroying us from the inside. We must trust the good shepherd to lead us beside the still waters with pure, clean drinking water. His water that is the living water that nourishes and restores our soul. The restoring of our soul goes hand in hand with the still waters because the living water is what restores our soul. But so often we're too busy being afraid. We're too busy fighting with one another. We're too busy hungry for the wrong things, thirsty for the wrong things, allowing pests and parasites into our bodies and around us, not looking to the good shepherd, not trusting his presence to drive away the fears and the doubts and the anxiety, not trusting his presence to drive away the friction from within our church, not trusting him to lead us beside still waters, not waiting on him to eliminate the pests and the parasites from within and on the outside. We hunger, but not for him. We hunger for whatever can satisfy our soul in the moment. And even if it doesn't satisfy our soul, but satisfies our flesh, we stop and we drink from filthy, contaminated water. And you cannot, I cannot restore my soul from filthy, contaminated water. I know you're thinking, man, I hope we don't go through the rest of the psalm. We're going to stop right there. All three of these phrases tie in together. He makes us lie down because He meets these requirements. He leads us beside still waters, but are we going to trust Him to lead us to the still waters? Are we going to wait on Him to get us to the pure, clean drinking water? While we wait, are we going to get up early in the morning so that we can be nourished and refreshed from the dew on the grass? I just... I wonder this morning, are we seeking the presence of the Good Shepherd to remove all the fear and the friction, the pests and the hunger from our lives? Are we trusting the Good Shepherd to lead us to the living water that will restore our souls? Are we rising in the morning to catch the dew on the grass that we might find a fresh dose of living water every morning before the day even truly begins? I wonder this morning for you personally, what does your relationship with the Good Shepherd look like? 
How are you trusting and following the Good Shepherd? Do you belong to Him, as we talked about last week? How can we make adjustments to our own sheepish nature so that we might follow the Good Shepherd more closely? How can we make adjustments to our own sheep-like behavior so that we might follow and trust the Good Shepherd more closely? Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You are the Good Shepherd. And if we will trust You, You will meet every requirement for us to lie down in lush, green pastures. Lord, thank You that... We do not have to be in want that we always have the expert care and management of You, our Master. Lord, help us to trust in You and not to be overcome by fear. Lord, help us to seek out Your presence that we might not have friction within this local body of believers, within our church family. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Help us to seek you out as the living water to restore our soul. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.